We're on Hollywood Boulevard with a very special guest. Oh, yes, Doug and uh, Karen are back. And we have brought our special guest from last week back, Alyssa Marr. Welcome again to the Boulevard. Woohoo! Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. Because she's so fabulous, we had to have her back for another week. Yeah, we have an expert in the house. Um, so I'm brain dead, so I'm going (laughs) to let you and Alyssa carry this. All right, Alyssa, let's carry it. We, I'm happy to say, have some nice positive things to, to talk about some of the culture we experienced. Alyssa, why don't we talk about a movie we just watched in the last couple weeks? Okay. It is called The Northman. And I wanted to, I was curious about it, but it sort of was one of those things where it could go either way. It could either be really good or really terrible. And we kind of took a gamble on it because Alyssa learned that it was on demand. Still at essentially movie theater price. It was on full rental rather than like the $6.99 rental, but still in our home. So easier than checking out to the theater. So we said, yeah, let's watch it. Watch it. We did. And we liked it. So, Alyssa, take it away. So, um, yes, I did. I really, really loved it. Um, For those of you, and this might be a caveat as to why I loved it. um, For those of you who may not be familiar, it's based on the myth of Amleth, which is the myth that Hamlet's based on. Oh, interesting. I had no idea. Yes. Uh, It's the Norse myth. Um, that Shakespeare stole to write Hamlet. Um, Potentially. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, I don't want Shakespeare getting litigious. <laughs> I don't think he'd be the first people we'd come, he'd come after. <laughs> no. Um, but it is... It's just a thousand times more violent. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I you like know... That. Twitter was people on Twitter when it was out when it first was premiered was like it's a brutal it's a brutal movie I was like well how brutal could it be um brutal is like the right way to describe it because it's not it's not particularly graphic I didn't think um it, I mean I guess it depends on your no. your like tolerance for it I have a really high tolerance for like stylized violence um it's like on the same level I think as like Game of Thrones. Okay. Wouldn't you say, Doug? Yeah, like you know, it's sort of like CGI, like stylized level, violence. But the, like, yeah, stylized violence that that I don't think is is too graphic or too gory. So yeah, Hamlet plus stylized violence is like two of my favorite things in the world. So it's catnip for Alyssa. Yeah, so I loved it, and I also, you know, but. I love, you know, directed by Robert Eggers, who also did The Witch and The Lighthouse, which I really like The Lighthouse. I didn't yep. see The Witch. It's oh, my a- God. I think I hated The Witch, if it's the one that I thought it is. <laughs> the one with Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, oh my God. Is this the one that everybody was talking about, how it was, like, the best thing ever, the best thing they ever saw? And I was like, oh, oh, my wheelhouse, right? Because, you know, I love all that stuff. Yeah. And then I, and then I turned it on, and I lasted about 10 minutes, and I said, good God, what is this shit? <laughs> well, yeah. this is better, I assure you. Um, okay. But, and he, and Robert Eggers, um, 
I think it had like a 90 minute, a million budget. So I was like, oh, is he like losing his touch? Is he now going to do these big Hollywood blockbuster movies? But the interesting thing about this movie is it's still, it doesn't feel like a big Hollywood studio movie. Like Hmm. it still has his, like you could see his directorial touches. It's weird. It's a weird movie. Um, you know, Nicole Kidman and Alexander Skarsgård, 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 um, and Anya Taylor-Joy are in it, and Willem Dafoe and, and, and Ethan Hawke, but the, he used a lot of, like, Icelandic and Norwegian and Swedish and Danish actors as well, who are not known to us, at which I thought was awesome. Um, so... It still feels like a big budget movie that has personality and creativity where so many feel so empty now. Yeah. So that was really great to watch. Um, I have to say, I was surprised. I I didn't realize like Nicole Kidman wasn't like, you know, like all, all of the promo on this has been Alexander Skarsgård. Like that's, that's it. It's been like, you'd think he was in this movie by himself. Yeah. And you know, he's fine. Like, He's I, he's far from my favorite, but I I don't really dislike him. He's kind of like I described him as like giving a Charlton Heston per, uh, performance. Yeah. Like mm. the movie wouldn't would be the same with or without him. <laughs> like yeah, you need someone who has that look, who clearly like goes to the gym a lot to be believable. But the movie ultimately doesn't rest on that person's performance. They okay. just have to fill it. Yeah, and Nicole Kidman is also fine. Like I had said to Doug, I wish they had chosen like a cooler actress, like a Lena Olin or Juliet Binoche or Kristen Scott Thomas. Um, someone who like fits in that world more. Yeah. But she didn't really take away from the movie. No, I mean she she kind of did her thing, you know. Of all of like the known the names that are in the movie, none of them do anything super great or super embarrassing. The <laughs> the you know like it all it the machine just keeps going. You know Willem Dafoe, I wish had a bigger role and maybe could have done something cooler. Um, but but you know like Skarsgård is fine. You know Nicole Kidman is fine. Anya Taylor-Joy is fine. I don't know how much any of them truly add to what's going on. This is definitely a director's movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but his vision is, you know, like both grandiose, it's an epic movie, um, and really clear-eyed. And technically, I mean, it's it's gorgeous. The cinematography is great. Um, there are some amazing shots. The editing is great. Uh, Lighting-wise, terrific. Sound-wise, excellent. So all of those technical elements Mm. are top-notch. It kind of reminded me of another movie I really liked from last year that nobody saw, The Last Duel. Yeah. Um, We talked about that a little bit with Ken Hart, Karen, when he was on the Oscars recap um, as a movie that we think was, like, really kind of criminally mismarketed, and it was actually much better than any of the previews indicated. Okay, yeah, it's not even I, it, like even that's not ringing about. Oh, it was the Ridley oh, it's Scott Ben Affleck movie. and yeah. Matt Damon and um, Jodie Comer. 
And, and Adam Driver, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, okay, yeah. I remember I remember actually having the Ridley Scott conversation. Right, but not right. the movie it was about. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, Northman, the Northman is really, really cool movie. Okay. Yeah, and I, I imagine then sooner rather than later will also be available for cheaper or maybe on streaming or a cable platform. Uh, so that's definitely a recommendation. And Alyssa, is this considered to have underperformed at the box office? I think so. I don't know what they're. I don't know. What like the general like, takeaway has kind of been negative about it, right? You know, I think people on Twitter are jerks. Loved oh wait, it. no, that's no. that's me, not you. You know, they loved it. It made. I just looked it up. It made sixty-four million on a ninety million budget. So yeah, it probably was a big disappointment. You know, and which is a bummer because then it just means we're going to get more Marvel movies because yeah. it's like, well, we gave. We gave this movie, we gave this guy a bunch of money, and uh, it flopped. But I mean, sixty million is not terrible for the pandemic times, right? right. I mean, like we we all know that right. you know movies are are really struggling. Well, the thing is, it's not really like it's not really an action move. Like it doesn't feel like a big action movie. I had said to Doug when we were watching, I was like, I'm shocked people like this because you really have to pay attention to it. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can't just use it as background noise as you look at your phone. Although, I mean, for most people, that probably doesn't matter. They're, like, used to watching things while they're on their phone. But, you know, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's a hard movie to sit through, but it, like, requires a little bit more from you than say like a mission impossible no shade to mission impossible but it's just on top of mind because it's the trailer came out um so it's like i said it doesn't feel like a big hollywood blockbuster action movie um so i'm not surprised it underperformed i just hope it doesn't mean i hope that means it that he won't get a chance to do something similar in the future well i mean here's a question right like if all of these movies they're 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 underperforming, okay, mm-hmm. at the box office, and there is this big question about, well, you know, is streaming taking over, and you know, we're not going to have these openings anymore. Only Marvel movies can mm-hmm. open at the box office. Does this mean now that they're going to cut budgets for these films, or that they're not going to make them? Like, this is what I'm trying to sort of figure out. Yeah, I guess my inkling is that like they just won't make them. Mm. You know, like. But it's, that they divert the big budgets to other movies that they view to be surer things, maybe? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Doug and I talk about it all the time. It's like, well, will they just go to Netflix or, you know, straight to streaming? And then we're like, where does that money come from? You know, like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I know Netflix is getting their subscriber fees or whatever, but is that that's not going to carry a production, a production budget and not the way that, like, Netflix spends money like water. Right. I mean, all the... All of the new streaming services, whether it's Apple or Netflix, you know, or new-ish, are dumping a pile of money in, t- in right. the talent's laps so that the talent will go do the movie or do the TV series or do the, you know, so that they get the good names. Right. But that's a fuckload of money for, you know, people who are only charging, like, what, 14 bucks a month, Yeah, right? I mean, you used to see the model because it was, okay, ticket sales were you know like hollywood movies 
they pumped the money into the movies and the ticket sales pumped the money back into the studios and it was a cyclical thing. And then that's where the money came from. We can't really see where the money comes from for these platforms. The only thing I've guessed is that it's because they all have corporate parents at these studios. So, you know, Amazon, the corporation can feed the Amazon prime video platform because they're loaded with money. Apple TV has Apple. Hulu has some sort of deal going on with Disney, the corporation right. that sweetens its pockets because the actual subscription money isn't enough for all these budgets. Yeah, right? but Netflix don't have anybody. Yeah, like they ne- have nobody. Yeah, Netflix. I don't know, man. <laughs> Where does that money come from? Well, I mean, I know that that's why they're, you know, they're yeah, they're struggling. They're yeah. struggling, and they're going to introduce like this sort of lower tier ad supported, um, which they had once said that they would never do, but now they're realizing that they need it. Um, I'm actually watching um, what is the the IMDb or Amazon spinoff like free 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 yeah. something free be yeah, whatever yeah. that's ad supported because I'm I've been watching Lost, which I never saw before, and that's well, available ooh, on there. You're talking I, to the right girl. That's one of my favorite shows of all time. And, um, and you know, and the commercials that there are not, I don't mind it. I thought I would, it would make me crazy, but they're not intrusive and invasive like regular network TV where you just get that sort of like 10 commercials in a row. Hmm. Or Hulu's commercials where it was just, you would get 10 commercials in a row, but it was the same damn commercial. Yeah. Um, you know, this was a little bit like, you know, 45 second ad and then we're done. And it was like, okay, I can deal with this. Yeah, I. But I wonder if, like, it's Netflix. Netflix's model is already outdated because it's like, well, first of all, they have just too much content, and now everybody else has figured out. Well, if we only drop one a week of these shows, people seem to like that. Yeah, we can know? stretch it. We're back to like getting away from the binging. Yeah. And and moving into back to like that sort of like one a week episode drop. Um, yeah, I, I do agree like Netflix. And I also think Netflix's algorithm is problematic. Yeah. Um, because it feeds me, it doesn't feed me enough, um, which is super frustrating. And so I don't, so it's not like going to Blockbuster where you could spend like three hours yeah. looking at every single movie in the way, you know what I mean? Every but, single and you movie could tangibly can. come upon each of them. Yeah. Yeah. And you could make your decision that way, as opposed to like, I don't know what the titles are in Netflix's library because they only feed me a select few. Right. Yeah. Um, which I don't like, like, I want to be able to see, like, I'm in the mood for a comedy and I'm in the mood for, you know what I mean? And not, and to not have that information or a menu somewhere of, of things is really frustrating to me as a viewer, because I'm just getting fed all the same stuff, which feels really homogenized at this point. Yeah, sure. So. Speaking of Amleth slash Hamlet, Alyssa, what else did we do this weekend? We saw Hamlet at the Metropolitan Opera House. You guys have just been Hamleting all over the place. Yeah, That's right. it's a it's a weakness of mine. <laughs> so how was it? I loved it. Uh, yeah, that was really great too. I'm really um, 
I'm particularly about Hamlet, but also I end up like loving almost every incarnation I see because I just love I love it. If for anyone who doesn't know, I wrote my thesis, my graduate school thesis on Hamlet. I know the play really well, but also every time I see it, I still discover new things about it, which is really exciting and I th I think this opera version is really great because the director had a real clear point of view. A lot of things I I like agreed with in my like interpretation of the play, which was nice. Um so it, it was just great to see this production. Yeah, no, I I mean yeah, key was that like it wasn't just we're going to take Hamlet and put it on an opera stage and and you know, make it grander with grander music. It was, it did have a point of view, you know, it mm. starts and continues shrouded in a kind of melancholia that makes total sense for the character of Hamlet and commits to that throughout. And it's a long opera. I mean, not, there are longer ones, but it's about three and a half hours. And yet it didn't feel slow. It didn't feel inaccessible in any way, which can happen at the opera. Yeah. So I consider it a big success. My only thing is, um, I don't know what someone who doesn't know the play as well would get from it because musically, it's really. I thought it was really challenging as far as operas go. Although I'm not, I'm far from an expert on opera. Um, like the music's not beautiful in the way you think of like the music to Carmen or La Boheme or Madame Butterfly is beautiful. Like, it was... So it was challenging musically. And then, you know, they played with the text a lot, but it was still Shakespeare's language. You know, it was still the, the language from the play. So you're trying to follow subtitles and try to interpret Shakespeare's language and follow along with the opera. So it's like... For someone who knows the play really well, I didn't have a problem, but I can't imagine. Like, we had people who spoke German in front of us, and I was like, what are they getting out of this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, so I can imagine, like, following opera is probably difficult for a lot of people in general, and then, like, to top Shakespeare, to put Shakespeare on top of it, and, like, his most difficult work. Um, I don't know. I don't know how, like, lay people. <laughs> who didn't like toil over the text in grad school would have um, experienced it but I loved it I think they did a great job very cool yeah definitely and I think that it might be streaming if I'm if I'm if I'm correct it might be so people who have who are not in New York might be able to see this I think the Met now records all of their operas so I think between like seeing them on a PBS great performances thing or finding out when they're doing streaming things, you may be yeah. able to do that. Okay. I no, don't I'm know sorry, if it's bad. available yet. Not streaming, but it is in a, it's, it's one of those HD oh. in the Oh, like the, uh, yeah, okay. live in it. Yeah. So, so it's live in HD. So, but you can see it at, you know, select theaters. Well, you, you know, during the pandemic, they made a lot of those things available for like one week's worth or one night only streaming too. So, you know, when monkeypox becomes the next disaster, maybe <laughs> we'll do that again. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you brought up monkeypox. <laughs> you hear well, it's you heard it first. Oh dear. Alyssa, what else can we wax uh, on about? Well, let's talk about something briefly that we loved because I don't have much to say about it. But high, uh, <laughs> high recommend the uh, new Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie on Disney Plus. So yeah, Alyssa had to fill me in on this because I just kind of missed the curve generationally. But Rescue Rangers was was it an after school or like a Saturday morning show after school? I feel like I watched it after school. Um, and like an animated show um, about these like crime fighting chipmunks, right? <laughs> yeah, they were rescue rangers. <laughs> and and so now, and I don't remember the names. I would have to look them up of the screenwriters, but around thirty years or so after the fact, they have done this sort of like meta movie um, that combines live action with animation and CGI. Um, in which Chip and Dale are reunited a little bit older um, and have to solve a crime. And it's very similar to like the Lego movie in style, both visually um, and also pulls a lot from who framed Roger Rabbit um, in terms of like, the, you know, like they're working together to solve this crime and interacting with a lot of um, existing IP, existing animated IP uh, particularly, but it's really clever. It's winking. It's for the right kind of audience who may or may not have grown up on it or like watched it when they were little, um, but can also watch it with kids. It's a it's a family film that's neither too cynical nor too juvenile. It actually has a really smart, um, I won't say sophisticated, but 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 like fairly you know like adult friendly plot. Um, and I have, so no, like real background in it, but I loved it from start to finish. I thought it was really cute, really clever. It's on Disney plus. Yeah. It's funny. It's really funny. Like, and it's and, not um, like that. Ain't I a stinker humor that is in all these shows, these movies now. Yeah. Yes. And the voice work is primarily it's John Mulaney and Andy Samberg as Chip and as Dale. And I just thought it was delightful. Yep. And it's like 95 minutes and. What what else do you need? Well, cool. Yeah, it's the kind of thing if you saw a preview for it, you'd be like, yeah, whatever with that movie, not give it a second thought. And yet, actually, when presented with it, you watch it and you're like, this is a good movie. All right. So, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yeah. Who knew? I don't know if the cartoon is on Disney Plus, but if it is, watch that too. Although, I haven't seen it in probably like 30 years, so don't take my word for it. If you hate it, it's not Alyssa's oh, fault. It's like, I've like gone back and been like, ooh, like like these things are now on like TV. I'm gonna DVR, and it's like, oh no, this isn't good. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I actually liked that. Like, or like, I love when you watch Nothing Changed, and you're like, God, I remember it was it was better. I just remember it being better. <laughs> yes, I yeah, have that a happens story. to me with movies too. I was obsessed with like this the Christmas special. It was like the clay claymation christmas celebration with like the california raisins um Lord. or like claymation christmas it was somebody's claymation christmas but the california raisins were like the special guest um and i realized it was on dvd once i was like looking through amazon so i was like i gotta get this and i 
got it. I was an adult and I watched it and I was like, oh no. No, this is <laughs> No. Oh, now no. I like own it or it's in my parents' house. They own it now. But it's like it's like I didn't I didn't this looked cooler when I was a kid. Oh my god, that's But so Chippendale funny. Rescue Rangers is not that, I assure you. <laughs> I recommend. Yeah. No, it's definitely yeah. I mean we're talking about this and the Northman and those are definitely two of the more enjoyable movies we've watched in whatever, the first five months of this year. Definitely. Amazing. Should we talk about those we've known, Alyssa? Yeah. This is the part of the night where we get less positive. And then we'll wrap <laughs> it around with something. We're sandwiching it. We'll we'll get back okay. to the positive. But uh so yeah, talk about it, hon. So those you've known, is that what it's called? Those you've known? Um was the documentary on HBO about well about the original production of Spring Awakening tied into the Spring Awakening um, original Broadway cast reunion concert that was held I guess sometimes in, sometime in the winter or the fall yeah. um, so they made a documentary about it that is on HBO and HBO Max and I don't know what this documentary is supposed to really do because they probably because I don't know why they just didn't record the concert outright and show us that with maybe like a little background on the production and talking to the original cast because the original cast has gone on to do so many notable things. Yeah, more right. than almost any show that had a, a, a largely younger cast. And, like, really young. Like, I mean, like, 17 to 23 or 4, something like that. Yeah. And, like, 10 of them have all gone on to really recognizable things from between theater, TV, and film. Right. Like, they there's, like, a story there. What the documentary is is kind of a disaster because... Number one, they spend most of the time, it's really, and I'm not afraid to say this, come at me. It's really <laughs> like an ego trip for Jonathan Groff and Leah Michelle. Like, I don't know if it was like, let's get Leah Michelle back in the good graces of people through this. But they are like right. overwhelmingly present in this documentary. Like we get like insights from them and their lives at the time that we don't get with anyone else. Um. So it's all about, and and I'm sure you've read the stories about how she like showed him her vagina one yeah, day backstage. Yeah, yeah, like, I heard about was that. Was in love with him, but he was gay, and he talks about coming out, and you know the whole night. And it's like, what does this have to do with anything? And they talk about the like road to Broadway, and some of it they're like not like the way they remember it. I'm like, ah, uh, I don't remember it being that way. Like they talk about like the show not being a sold-out hit until it, like, won the Tonys. And I was like, I don't remember it that way. I remember getting no. raves and being sold out right away. But whatever, if they want to create this, like, fairy tale, like, Cinderella story, that's fine. But they also, like, pay no attention to the rest of the cast. Like, they interview Lily Cooper a bit. You know, John Gallagher Jr. plays, has probably, like, the, 
the like next biggest role in the documentary but it's like weird that they like don't really seem to care about him but he won the tony for the show um but they like don't talk about skylar astin who's had a lot of success or like gideon glick who's had a lot of success in a tony nomination it's like it's only really interested in leah michelle and jonathan Groff. Yeah. and i'm like I don't want to hear from you people. <laughs> and then, like, it doesn't, and it doesn't even follow like the path of the show itself. Spring Awakening has already had uh, its first revival, which was significant because it was with Deaf West and, and you know, had deaf actors and sign language. And like the show itself has taken on such a life of its own, and not, you know, sometimes it happens that things are big in their moment and then over time sort of fade away or we regard them differently. And this is a show that hasn't happened with it stayed in the good graces for 16, 17 years. And as the documentary continues, it doesn't even bother trying to talk about any of that. It really is just about, and then, you know, Leah Michelle and Jonathan Groff reunited and they did this. And, you know, if you even look at like, the camera angles and the lighting that are used on them versus anyone else. Um, there's a, a big distinction. Alyssa, did you say that he is listed as a producer? He is. Is she? I don't remember. Okay. But if they're like best friends in real life, so it's yeah. not surprising. You know, it's like the two coolest kids in high school got together to do something and didn't include anyone else. <laughs> like That's how it feels. And, you know, they're like, and I think they were trying to do too much with it because they're like trying to talk about like the creation of the show and it's like journey to Broadway and it won all the Tonys and, and you know, what a phenomenon it became and full disclosure. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. And we know how I feel about John Gallagher jr. Uh, he's one of my favorite people in the world. We've traveled far to see him <laughs> things. Um, but they also talk about so they like start showing footage from the con the reunion concert and the original production so they start talking about like song by song and they try to like tie it into like you know i guess like tie it into like how teens really felt at the time and how they feel now and you know they talk about like oh you know vendla has an abortion and she gets spanked and john gallagher jr has to kill himself every night on stage spoiler alert but then they stop talking about, they like give up midway through yeah. the show when they're like, whatever, Moritz shoots himself. <laughs> like, what else could I, remember that time I showed you my vagina? Like, <laughs> so it like, it had no clear point of view. It's like, like I said, it's like, I don't know why they just didn't like show the concert with like a, the actual like reunion of the cast as opposed to like, Look how great Leah Michelle is. Yeah, the concert itself, with like a little bit of a couple minutes in the beginning, maybe of just, you know, build up fanfare, I think could have been better. Mm. This is kind of like propaganda in a sense. It it's, is, it it's is. Career propaganda. Rediscovery, redemption type thing. Interesting. Yeah, I have no desire to see it. So. No, I mean, and. And like Jonathan Groff has never has been far from my favorite for a long time. So maybe a John Groff fan. Did I say Jonathan Groff? Yes. Will feel mm -hmm. differently. 
but it's like you know they like don't even like acknowledge they like yeah john gallagher they show him accepting his tony when they're like oh it won eight tonys that night and it's like talk about the fact that he won a tony like do you are you like still salty about it 15 years later you know <laughs> but it it just it's not really worth it yeah i mean i'm glad i saw it because it's nice to sort of revisit that show in its time but it yeah it could have been refracted through a different lens right Alyssa, would you yes. like to talk about The Way Down? Sure. I don't uh, have a ton to say other than this is like anyone who reads, who listens to this, excuse me, is going to think I'm the most insane person because I'm like, yeah, I love Hamlet and stylized violence and John Gallagher Jr. and religious cults, <laughs> which is what The Way Down is about, a religious cult. Um, it's a documentary on um, on HBO Max, sorry, mm-hmm. about um, Gwen Shamblin Lara and her church, the Remnant Church. Remnant, yeah, in Na- or outside Nashville, yeah. Um, which was your like typical born again Christian church, where you know. The founder and the leaders were filthy rich and people were mistreated and um, given shitty messages, but um, still somehow followed these people. And then they died in a plane crash, mysteriously. (laughs) Well, here's here's the thing. So it aired, it's now five episodes, and they aired three episodes around September, I think, sometime in the fall on HBO Max, and then dropped two more episodes just a couple weeks ago because, you know, th- the first three episodes were all about, in general, you know, this this church and, and th- her with a focus on her diet plan. The Way Down title is a play on the, her Way Down diet, W-E-I-G-H, down, which sounds ridiculous and impossible but what happened was about a year ago almost to the day Gwen her husband and several other people died in this plane crash and since the plane crash more members of the church chose to speak out so they put these extra two episodes together based on additional I won't say testimony additional uh, talking head interviews from more people of the church who had experienced their hypocrisy and bullying and, and all of that stuff. And though none of it is like more conclusive than like what we think at the outset, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. None of it like really surprised me because like it's, you know, the same tale of these churches all the time. Um, you know, there were some like weird things like the, um, like there was an emphasis on ha- having your kids be very obedient and mm. like beating your kids. Um, another, like the diet thing was bizarre. Although, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that makes sense. Um, her thing was that you didn't eat, you could eat whatever you want and as much as you want, but only when you felt hunger pains um 
And if you've wanted to eat between hunger pains, you this is where it goes off the rails. Um, you would just pray. <laughs> I guess like okay, pray, 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 pray to not eat. Okay. Yeah, like she said, like turn to God instead of the refrigerator. And you see all these testimonials from people who were like, I lost 170 pounds. I lost because she was like, God doesn't like fat people, I guess, is yeah. what her thing was. Um, she said he doesn't care about you on the outside. God only cares about what's on the inside, but he doesn't like fat people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also, But the... You know, so it's just fascinating if you like those sorts of stories, which I I do. Um, so it's I recommend it. We watched it, I think, in a day, right? Yeah, yeah, I think wow. so. Easy so that's watch. HBO Max. And um, just one last thing, Alyssa and I are also watching The Staircase on HBO Max, which basically drops one episode a week. So, Karen, did you ever hear about? It was, it was a documentary series of uh, two thousand five or six, and kind of gave birth to the whole true crime movement—not movement, but subgenre. Um, and it's the a true story of this guy in North Carolina whose wife fell down the staircase and died. Uh, well, somehow fell down the staircase and died and it was very bloody oh anyway, yeah i kind of remember this yeah 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 so you know it was a scandal when it happened oh, in late it was 2001 the crime novelist that wrote the, yeah that and he was, was the crime yeah, novelist yeah 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 yeah, yeah 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 um so now there's a a narrative version on hbo max and colin firth is the novelist and tony collette is the wife who died i have this on my to watch list okay. yes 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 so we ha- uh, do you have HBO Max at the moment, or are you oh, between subscriptions? Okay, just checking. So that's a recommend from us, and we're what okay. like probably five in, maybe three from the end, maybe there's more. I don't know. Um, curious to know what you would think. We like it for the most part. I think some of the stuff because they've also established a structure that includes the making of the documentary as part of the story itself beyond just the, the death and the trial um, with Juliette Binoche as the documentarian. And I'm not sure that fits, but I'm curious to see where that goes. But uh, of course, Michael Stuhlbarg is also in the say, show, giving yeah, another, one of his, the great performances of the season as only he can do. Another one of my favorite things in life, Michael Stuhlbarg. <laughs> <laughs> and Colin Firth is so good. He's playing against yeah. type. He's really not charming, you know, not charming. They have not made him attractive. He kind of looks schlubby. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's makeup or if it's just him. I don't know. But That's why I'm like, I don't know. Schlubbier. If yeah. But, like um, appropriate for his age, which is sure. 60 or 61 or something. Oh and it would be, and yeah. would be for that guy, too, I've, who wouldn't I've have been super thin. I've seen a few it. articles that are like, the staircase is ruining Colin Firth's, you know, like, my sexual attraction to Colin Firth and stuff. But, you know, it's nice because he doesn't play roles like this typically. Um, so it's nice to see him play against type. Yeah, it's a meatier role than he's typically played and certainly yeah. less charming than Mr. Darcy or King George. Um, yeah, so 
if you get a chance to watch it at some point, I'd love to talk about it more. Yeah, I, I absolutely will. Yeah, I, d- I definitely wanted to. I've just had, like, other stuff that I've needed to kind of watch for, like, work-related stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. 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 So those are some of the things we have been watching. Well, excellent. Um, cool. Well, thanks, guys, for doing the heavy lifting, because I've done <laughs> beat this week. It was our pleasure. It's not every week we get to talk about things we liked. I know. No, it was after, nice. It was nice to have more than one. After last week, we were like, "Hated that show." Didn't like that show. <laughs> <laughs> we hate everything. We hate it all. We like well, Hamlet. We like Hamlet and Michael Stubarg, who played Hamlet. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> all right, we, guys. We got we got through it. You guys take care. Be safe, be healthy, all those things. And we will see you, my gosh, I guess next time in June on the Boulevard. Jesus. Bye. Bye. Bye.